Hi, I'm Joel Logan with the Hole in the Ground Terrain and Games, and you are listening to Morse's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Morse and Peter are joined by Andrew White to talk about United Paisa Workers and RPG Unions. In the news, Strixhaven has been delayed, Roll20 unveils a new mobile app, World of Darkness Nexus announced, more Marvel Multiverse updates, and more! Plus, our favorite game in all the world, and a brand new sketch about the difficulties of fantasy air travel. This week on Morse's unofficial tabletop RPG Talk. Now you're feeling isolated in these difficult times. Haston can help. We are the market leader in high-speed communications technology. 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 Uh, Anyway, we have combined the latest in high-speed watercolour production by our indentured pixie artists with the fastest carrier pigeons that money can buy to provide you with a near-instantaneous, almost-accurate and pseudo-real-time messaging service that will make you feel like you're in the very same room as your correspondence, albeit a very, very large room. From swapping potion recipes to plotting world domination with your fellow Dark Lords, communications that would normally take days will take a mere several hours. Amazing! It says here that their frame rate tops out at a whopping nine frames a week! We really are living in the future. Hasten, enabling collaboration since the third conjunction. All the tabletop role-playing news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ, and with me this week is Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers. Russ has ever. It is a total delight to be here. Hello, Peter. How are you? I'm superb. Thanks for asking. So, I brought a guest with me this week. Did you? A guest? Mm. That's I did. Who did you I know? Name? I know. Somehow, somehow I persuaded him to join us. Um, but uh, with us this forward. week is, yes. is Andrew White, who's here to talk mm-hmm. all about the new union over at Paizo. Ah, uh, right. Which we have briefly mentioned on the show, but we haven't, yes. not in any detail yet. So I'm yes. really looking forward to diving into that and learning all about the, yes. what, what, what the reasons were for creating the union, the background behind it, and what, what the plans are going forward. So, Hello. Andrew, hi. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Not not only, uh, of course, um, because because you're part of the union. Also, obviously, you must work at Paizo as well mm. by definition. Um, yes. <laughs> what, what was, what's your what, what's your role at Paizo, Andrew? So I am the front end dev lead at Paizo, which means I do work on Paizo.com. I develop the uh, interactive presentations that they use for organized play, mm. uh, and I'm also a freelance contributor to Pathfinder and Starfinder lines. So I've written a bunch of stuff for that. Nice. And uh, my most recent contribution was the Great Gravtrain Robbery Adventure for Starfinder, where a swarm of insects, a octopus, <sighs> yep. a talking bear, and a robot all team up to rob a mob train together. So, oh, that sounds man. like the most amazing Fri- thing ever. Fridays <laughs> are such an expensive day for me. Uh, <laughs> like, ooh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, anyway, shall we uh, before we before we dive into all things union? Yeah. Shall we do 
some RPG news. That's novel, but I suppose we can give it a go. All right. You're the the host, you tell us. (laughs) (laughs) So the first bit of news, I know, Peter, you're going to love this. I don't know if, uh, Andrew, you share Peter's love for kobolds, Um, but Peter is a big, big fan of kobolds. Um, Well, kobolds are the union mascot, so I'm I'm required to be now. (laughs) You are legally required to be a fan of kobolds. Welcome to the International Brotherhood of Kobold Appreciators. (laughs) It's it's a very large organisation and completely free to join. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, for WizKids, Paizo yes. and WizKids have teamed up to make some full-sized foam kobold statues. These are 36 inches oh. tall. Nice. Is, here I am sort of gesturing oh. on a podcast, which nobody's going to be able to so see. it's but like three foot. Yeah. So yeah. Can, so three, can, three, about a metre for those yeah. working in metric. So there's a there's a red one and there's a blue one. They're kind yeah. of decked out in armour. Um, they've got mm. spears. And daggers, and I'm going to show you a picture. Actually, I'm going to show you a picture. What I'm picturing in my head is probably nowhere near as cool as what they actually look like. Right. Oh, so I don't know. I've, I've seen them, and they're they're pretty cool. They are well, pretty well, cool. Well, before Here's I look at the picture, what I'm picturing is you know those like little dinosaurs you can get, and you put them on the ground, and they pour water over them, and then they expand like that, but bigger is what's in my head. So let's have a look. That's a great uh, idea for a future tie-in product. To uh, yeah. write that down. Oh, look at them! Ha oh, ha, they're so adorable. Oh, they're amazing. Yeah. It's, there's, two, there's two drawbacks, unfortunately. They're very grumpy. One is that they're $600 each. <laughs> okay. Oh, right. Yeah. So, so last week we talked about we talked about a, a life-sized foam Drizdowurden statue, did we not? Wait, is that yes. actually a thing? That is yeah. actually a thing. Okay. That's, that's, that's $1,500. Mm-hmm. So that's... Uh, that's not cheap. These are six hundred dollars each. Very excited about this, Andrew. <laughs> well, <laughs> this information. Uh, I, uh, I I have uh, thanks to my employee discount at Paizo, I already have one of the goblins in my office mm-hmm. right now. And nice. uh, are they, are they I, the same I need size? to give him. They're exactly the same size. Um, right, I need nice, to give him nice. something to glower at across the room. So I've already put in my <laughs> interesting. My pre-order for the for one of the red kobolds. <laughs> right, right. Well, these these kobolds are they coming out March twenty twenty two. There's some more bad news, I'm afraid, Peter. You can't have them. They're only available Is in the United States. I'm not, yeah, because I'm not in the continental United you States. Yes, you Unless also you can't fly over here and buy him a a plane ticket back. All that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm I'm pretty sure I could smuggle a kobold in my hand luggage. I'm sure there'd be no problems. They're like whatsoever. three feet tall. <laughs> I, I I could have a large I think, I, I think I think at this stage you actually have to buy the cobalt an actual plane ticket mm-hmm. and yeah. put it in the seat next to you. Like, look, guys, I'm sorry, you clearly aren't seasoned international travellers. When you go abroad, you have a really big suitcase with not very much in it. Ah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, those aside, yes. cobalt aside, we do have quite a lot of other news. So, mm-hmm. um, roll 20... Yes. has announced a yes. new mobile app. Oh, okay, that's nice. It's for iOS and Android devices. Mm-hmm. It's free for all Roll20 users, mm-hmm. and it has, like, character sheets. It's like a player-sized thing rather than a, a GM-sized yeah, thing, yeah. but it's character sheets. Yeah. You can roll dice, display character information, integrates directly with the virtual tabletop itself mm. via the magic of the interwebs in some... Some arcade and mystic manner. That would certainly be pretty useful for some people because, well, like for Mark, for instance, who has to try and use his 
or was it Kindle Fire yeah, or whatever? Mark, yes, Mark, Mark being one of the players in our um, in our um, Thursday night game, game. Yeah, who, yeah. Who, who comes on Zoom via a mobile phone or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's try get get in via the app. So yeah, mobile phone app could be very useful. Yeah, um, it's only it's only for D and D so far. Oh. But they are working on opening it out to more systems. So I, I guess they've got to kind of customise it quite no. strongly for each system, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Uh, literally yeah. not my thing. No. I, I might try it out, actually, next Thursday. Give it yeah. a try, and then we, we, I'll report on Friday how well it went in the podcast. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Nothing. Nothing could possibly nothing. go wrong. <laughs> nothing. But, but sticking with on online platforms, so Demiplane... Mm-hmm. Demi playing, so they announced they were doing a Pathfinder um, second edition platform a couple of weeks ago. Nice. So Demi playing, the lead developer there is Adam Bradford, who's one of the co-founders of D&D Beyond. Mm-hmm. So um, they announced a um, Pathfinder, one called Pathfinder Nexus. Mm-hmm. I believe they've said Starfinder is coming too. Would you Would you know, Andrew? Um, I do know the answer to that. I can't remember whether it's been made public yet. So they, I I'm, will say I, I'm sure. I'm sure yeah. I've seen it. I am 100 percent sure I've seen it mentioned. Okay. It's, it's just like springing to mind. Starfinder is coming to it as well. Yeah, Starfinder, but they haven't started work on it yet. Or I think mm. was the was the thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they've also announced a Vampire the Masquerade. Well, uh, not just Vampire the Masquerade. Mm. A whole load of um, World of Darkness stuff. Nice, Vampire, but... Werewolf, mm. and Hunter Nexus. Mm. Ooh. It's called the World of Darkness Nexus. That I didn't know about. That's exciting. Yeah. So it looks like they're planning on some pretty major... So basically what we got is Adam Bradford, who left D&D Beyond, mm-hmm. which is obviously D&D only, yes. specifically, yes, um, moved over to Demiplane, and now they mm-hmm. appear to be making basically D&D Beyond style apps for a variety of games. It's, it's basically as far as I can make out what's going on. Mm. That is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean they look yeah. slick. They look really well, yeah. slick. Just um, lots of experience. Yeah. yeah, wow. D and D Beyond's really slick as well. And if if they're bringing the same sort of level of slickness no. over, because D and D Beyond is a it's a good looking platform. It was yeah. it was a very successful one too. So I'm yeah. not surprised yeah. that they're branching out. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not it's not D and D Beyond that's doing this, but it's like one of the people who one of the co-founders. Yeah, yeah, over at Demi Queen. Yeah, yeah. So but, taking um, those skills is yeah, as you say, pretty pretty cool though. Yeah, well, I I, I keep finding myself wondering what's going to be happening with D and D Beyond because Wizards has announced its own sort of virtual tabletop, and I'm guessing there'll probably be some online tools with that, which well, they're doing yeah. in house. Well, they haven't announced it; they've just sort of yeah, yeah. But but sort of the they 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 have a history of announcing. That they're going yeah, to cut off yeah, their it was embedded. It was, it that was, doesn't always work out 100% well for them, does it? Yeah, screenshots of it were embedded in a survey a while back. Okay. But also, um, the company that owns D&D Beyond, Fandom, yes. now has brought the Cortex system, which mm. is using to power a whole load of sort of 80s cartoon-inspired games. Yes, yes. So, I don't, I don't know what's going on there. Well, no, that's why it's new. I just feel, I just feel like something's rumbling in the background there, <laughs> and there's going to be announcements coming sort of in the next few months. But I don't quite know what you know. I can it, get it's, but it's removing barriers to entry to gaming, making it easier for people to interact with and create characters for role playing games, as opposed to having to break out the books, pencils, and take their best stab at it. So mm. I'm all in favour. Yeah, yeah, I think interest in online tools just exploded during the mm. pandemic, and yeah, uh, yeah. it's while people are starting to meet in public, meeting meet together again, it's not, mm-hmm. it's never going to entirely go back the way it was before. Mm. So. Yeah, well, I think yeah, roll twenty definitely 
when they when they started sharing their figures during the pandemic, it kind of like the graph went not quite exponential, but it yeah, really massively shot. You know, it took off like a like an airplane, didn't it? Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah. Know, I wonder if that is going back down again now or not. Uh, I'm I sure it's going down a bit. Drop, yeah, because yeah. yeah. I have oh, noticed that World Twenty has now stopped sharing user figures. Mm, they mm-hmm. only share percentages now. Which a yeah. year ago they were sharing user figures, how many players, mm. how many campaigns. They're not doing that anymore. Well, I'm wondering if that because it's dropped, but I they don't, know. don't. They don't want to deal with people saying, "Oh no, Rule Twenty is losing market share." It's like, well, yeah, people are playing games normally, mm. but you have to compare it to the pre-pandemic figures. In which case, I'm entirely sure that their market share and number of users has increased massively. But again, there's also yeah. a massive increase in the number of online platforms. So. Yeah, yeah, and they seem to be popping up because, uh, I mean, my experience with Level Up and people constantly asking which <laughs> platforms are we going to support, and every every day they mention a new platform I'd never heard of. <laughs> there's there's loads of them. There's so many yeah. of them, and while that is amazing, it does make it difficult to kind of choose which one which one mm-hmm. to use. Yes. Well, I mean, everyone's going to have their favourite one. I mean, we had some like was it Nivel Twenty, the Spanish language one, which lets you take tokens and turn them into three-dimensional characters. Mm. Sounds mm. pretty yeah. exciting. Yeah, yeah, but there are a lot. I imagine yeah. kind of like the market will settle down with all those and like yeah, nice things, and then some bigger ones will emerge and someone, I don't know. Yeah. I just, In the meantime, it's good for innovation. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, just like the mobile app for Roll20, for example, that's you know, I, 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 like, I like the way these, these, these apps are just, because Roll20 is a little bit... Um, Clunky. Clunky? Yeah, clunky. I, mean, yeah. I did want to say, yeah, right, clunky. It's a bit clunky. I but- like Roll20. I've <laughs> okay. got a subscription, but I can still say it's clunky because that's yeah, what okay. it is. Yeah. All right, fair. Okay, yeah. fair. But, you know, slick things like these mobile apps, I think, mm. are awesome. Mm. Yeah. I, I, haven't tried, I haven't actually tried Fantasy Grounds. So I'm told that's very pretty. Mm-hmm. And Foundry, obviously, where I think most of the Pathfinder folks are these days. This, I haven't this is tried what that. we hear. Oh, I mean, yeah. do, you, do you have any insight on that, Andrew? Uh, I do. I, I am personally a big fan of Foundry. I think Foundry mm-hmm. is uh, has a great community. Uh, the mm. open source nature of it as a software product makes it mm. easier for people to say, oh, the, the, this, the platform core platform doesn't have these features, so I'm just going to write a module that adds them. Uh, mm. And then, Ooh. as is usually the case with add-ons like that, the, uh, the most popular ones then get rolled into the next big core release. So I'm really impressed with what I've seen from Foundry so far. Um, yeah, I really, really want to try it. And the team that's working on the uh, mm. the PF2 system, uh, which mm. are, of course are all volunteers who just do this because they like the system, mm-hmm. have done an amazing job. I'm running uh, multiple home games right now using PF2 mm. on Foundry, and it mm. uh, just keeps getting better. Yeah, nice, yeah, nice. yeah. Oh. I think I think I have to get Foundry installed and give that a shot because, yeah. from, from what people say, it is definitely a top tier platform. Yeah. I think definitely the open source nature of it, which I was previously unaware of, is a very powerful developmental tool and will lead to a lot of a really solid innovation and product development yeah. cycle. My only so worry is good. it will be too complicated and will scare me. I mean, as many things do. Like, Russ, can you not bury the bar <laughs> under the ground, man? If it's, anything, if it's got anything more than an on-off switch, then I'm already... <laughs> I'm already <laughs> You're just a natural elbow radio sort of person. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, let's move on. So, Marvel Multiverse RPG. Yes. Announced earlier this year, Mm. being written by Matt Forbeck. Yes. Who was on the show last week. It was last week, wasn't it? It was last week, yes. Um, Time is an illusion. Ha! 
<laughs> yeah. Um, so Marvel have revealed two alternate covers for it. Oh, nice. And I will give you the link so you can see those covers. Because that's much better than me trying to describe them to you. We've seen the um, main one before. Mm. We saw that earlier this year. The one with Groot kind of looming up there. Well, that, that's, is that the playtest rule book? That's the playtest rule book coming in March, I think. Matt okay, said. Yeah, yeah. So the mm-hmm. playtest rule book, book comes out in March, then the actual one comes out in 23. Mm. I'm trying to remember a conversation mm. I had all of seven days ago. That's far, far too difficult for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless your heart. Right. But, but yeah. the, uh, the alternate cover, so the standard covers by, um, this is where I try to pronounce people's names. I apologise in advance. The standard cover is by Ivan Coelho, yep. and the new covers by Peach Momoko and Logan Luber. Yeah. Hmm. So what we're seeing is we've got like what's that? Storm, I guess Hawkeye, Incredible Hulk, Daredevil, uh, Captain America, Captain Marvel. I think. Mm-hmm. Not sure who that is. Is that Shang Chi? Maybe and Black Panther. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, mate. Um, it's hard to tell. Insufficient rings. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was looking for the rings too. I don't see them. Yeah. They could be under the gloves. I don't know. Yeah, and that sort of gets a nice uh, yellow grading up to orange background. Yeah, not not too bad. Mm. Next one is, I guess that's Scarlet Witch have with six one six on dice that she is mm-hmm. making flow around her, and uh, then and, yeah, and the, bottom and one the, is the six one six is of course the name of the system they're using the D six one six system. Yes, which is a reference to the universe. Yes, yeah. Apparently, mm. I hear that if you, you roll 3d6, and if you roll 616, something amazing happens. Yes. I'm told. I mean, if you roll 661, you're just out of luck, though. <laughs> yes, I know. Yeah. That's just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Who would ever want to roll 661? Yeah. I mean, we yeah. don't really know much about the game. We know it's got um, might, Six agility, stats. resistance, vigilance, mm-hmm. ego, and logic as its main stats. Yeah. And we know it's the D616 system, and that's basically all we know. There are superheroes, and Matt seems very yeah. confident that they all fit in together, so... Oh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Matt did confirm last week that you can play Marvel existing Marvel heroes or make your own characters. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which I think... That, uh, that upper cover there looks like a deliberate throwback to... It's been a while since I've seen this, but it, it, it is <laughs> reminiscent of the old TSR Marvel superheroes game cover. Mm. Okay. Let me, let me call that up, if I can. TSR Marvel Superheroes. I need to remind myself. No, it could be wrong. It could just be that you put a bunch of superheroes together on a cover <laughs> all facing yeah. you, and they all look the same. But that's what immediately yeah. jumped out at me. Oh, fair enough. I can only find a tiny, tiny version of that cover. I'm sure there's a larger one somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, the only one I can find is on Wikipedia, and it's tiny. Yeah, oh, I found that one, too. That's not the one I'm thinking of, either. They probably went through a couple of different prints, but yeah. Anyway, it's nice to have more more Marvel superhero games. Yeah, yes. yeah. I always find it interesting to see how well licensed properties do, because yeah. obviously Avatar, yeah. the last Airbender on Kickstarter a couple of months ago, yeah, nearly hit ten million dollars. That, that, yeah, not that's only funny. not not only is that possibly the most successful, well, it is the most successful tabletop RPG mm. Kickstarter. Is it the most yeah. successful licensed property? Possibly. Quite, well, certainly for RPGs. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's hard to say with Star Wars out there because they don't mm. um, they don't use Kickstarter. Yeah. yeah. But, well, certainly, like, the most successful crowdfunded licensed property yeah. Yeah. for RPGs. 
But I guess at that point, we're just throwing enough caveats in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But either way, $10 million is a big chunk of change, especially mm. in the RPG market. Uh, and we're pleasantly surprised that they do not appear to have taken money and run off somewhere. So, yep. not yet. so. <laughs> it must I'm be tempting now. Not do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, ten million dollars is a lot of money. Uh, Modifius has, uh, has done a lot of great licensed IP products too. Modifius is the uh, mm-hmm. the one that's yeah. Been, um, yeah, Alien and Fallout and Dishonored. Uh, uh, yeah, I well, think some well, oh well, yeah, they just did we- the Dune one. Yeah, that's the that's the that's the biggest one recently. Um, the alien one was Free League, I think. Free League. I think Modiphius is yeah. helping to distribute it. Mm. But yeah, um, ah, yeah well, I mean, Modiphius Modiphius sells everything. It is there. Yeah. It's bought yeah. their way. Yeah, <laughs> so so much stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, they got a whole lot of like um, video game licenses as well. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. Dishonored and Fallout. Yeah. Right, all right, yes. Yeah, yeah. So they got, they got a whole ton of stuff. Mm. Um, right then, more news, yeah. more news. Let's find more news. Yeah. Um, oh, I have because... a couple of items that have sprung up. Okay. Yeah, uh, one that I thought might be, I mean, it's, it's sort of like potentially relatively limited interest, depending upon where you are geographically. But uh, there's an announcement for ABCon, which is the first board game convention in sub-Saharan Africa, uh, well, sorry, the largest and oldest gathering of uh, tabletop game lovers, enthusiasts, and designers. Uh, so they're going on in South uh, sub-Saharan South Africa, I will say, whilst trying to actually get my words out straight. Uh, mm. I had the date here a second ago, but I seem to have put it down like some sort of fool. Hmm. Uh, but yes, where is it? 4th December. So if you are near... Uh, yeah, where where it, in Africa is it? It's a bit. Africa is a big place. I, I really know. should be able to give you that. Sub-Saharan is a bit of a broad. Well, it's in Nigeria. Uh, it is. Oh right. So Angus, yeah. our friend Angus O'Brien, yes. was going to yes. go to that. Oh, okay. Been invited to, to it or something. Yeah. So if you if you're around on the fourth fourth of December and you're near Abuja, like grab a ticket, pop along there, running from ten till five. It should be. It looks like it should be a good laugh. Yeah, 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 right. yeah, yeah. And it's always good to hear about the stuff that's not in Europe and not in America. The states, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty yeah. much. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't have heard it, but it was just like it was a reply to someone else's yeah. reply on a Twitter thread. I was like, oh, that looks interesting. Right, so right. I snaffled it. Yeah. Right. So I've got a bit of news here about Kickstarter, which has introduced a new rule for creators. Oh. Okay. And the rule relates to how many back-to-back Kickstarters you can run without fulfilling the previous Kickstarters. Oh, okay. So um, what, what has happened now is that they've, they've said there are, there are two types of creator, and one of them is a experienced, in-good-standing creator. So it's kind of like a, okay. a, a status you get. And to do that, you've got to have four Kickstarter projects, fulfilled Kickstarter projects under your belt mm-hmm. and not have broken any of their rules. Okay. At any point. Uh, in which case, you are an experienced and in good standing um, creator. Okay. Uh, at which point, you can have more than three, mm-hmm. slightly complicated, more than three unfulfilled Kickstarters running. Not running at the same time, but you know, you okay. can launch one when you've still got more than three unfulfilled Kickstarters in your rearview mirror. Okay. It doesn't make sense. I think that makes sense. Yeah. So, so <laughs> yeah. basically, they're saying you don't have to finish off. You don't, you don't have to fulfill a Kickstarter before you launch the next one. Yes, but yeah. but that is also the current state of play. 
Yeah, but that so, is now that is only for people who are now experienced and in good standing and have finished uh, fully fulfilled all four, their kicks for Kickstarter. Yeah, right. So if, so if you if you're not one of those people, then you're mm. not allowed to do that. Oh, okay. So uh, Nightfall Games has run into a little bit of a problem. They've had they, they've had a Kickstarter announced um, called yes. Demon Dog, yes, which was upcoming. And they have three successful Kickstarters. Right. In their, uh, in, in their, yeah. yeah. But they haven't got four. Um, so Kickstarter has told them they've got to wait a bit longer until they've fulfilled a right. previous Kickstarter before they can launch this one. So they've had to announce on Facebook that they are... Uh, it's a rule that's been, I think, very, very inconsistently enforced over the years because sometimes oh. I've run a fan of it and sometimes I haven't and I think it depends mm. on who at Kickstarter is looking at your project on any mm. given day yeah. it seems to change entirely and any conversation you have with one person the next person you talk to has no idea about that conversation you had yeah so, so it, it sounds like they're trying to tighten up yeah it sounds like they're mm. trying to yeah avoid that happening because I, mm. I always find that quite frustrating where I said we had this conversation last time I ran a Kickstarter mm. can we can you just look back at that conversation but they can't mm. Yeah. So, um, okay. so apparently, these, this, this, they're kind of formalising it a bit more, I guess. Right. So, I guess for yourself, with I don't know how many Kickstarters is it now? Oh, up, coming up to thirty, twenty-eight. Yeah, yeah. Something yeah. Like that. So you've got know. like twenty-eight, twenty-nine Kickstarters that have been fully fulfilled, and it's just like level up. You're currently waiting on. Yes, I think I, I think I account as experienced when it comes to Kickstarters. <laughs> 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 if anyone is, I am. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, that'll, be, that'll be interesting to see how it affects uh, smaller creators and smaller studios as well, mm. because obviously uh, a lot of the way studios work is it's uh, reminiscent of academic funding, as in you do the work, you get the funding for the work you've just done, yeah. and you use that funding that you just received to do some other work that you haven't told people about. Yeah. Mm. I hope so yeah. experienced creators are allowed up to three unbuilt projects at a time. Mm-mm. Uh, but if you've not met those requirements, you're only allowed one. Okay. So you could have a Kickstarter unf- Kickstarter that you hadn't fulfilled and do another Kickstarter at the same time, and then that's your lot. Yeah. Yeah, until okay. you fulfilled the first one. Yeah. Okay. So all, all, the, all the big differences really is if you've got a third Kickstarter that you want to start mm. before fulfilling the other two. Which I don't think is that common a thing. No, no. Seems it's strange. for somebody that doesn't already have four completed yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's got to be a fairly rare occurrence. Well, I mean, if it's caught um, Nightfall Games, they're the Slay Industries people, if I if mm. memory serves. Mm, yeah. Terminator. Mm, that's and, right, yeah. Uh, so yeah, if it's caught them out, that's a, that's a bit of an unusual one. Yeah, right. yeah. Okay. But, but bear in mind, Kickstarter isn't, we, we just tend to see the tabletop role-playing bit of it. That's true. Kickstarter is much bigger than that, and there might be sort of entire areas of Kickstarter where this is something that happens a lot, for all I know. And we have no idea what's going on. I have no idea, and there's no possible way to find out either. You could ask them. (laughs) That seems like a lot of effort. I could could just use this internet thing in front of me, but I'm not going to. I'm going to speculate instead, because that's more fun. (laughs) Well, doing the form of speculation. It's the hallmark of the successful news programme. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know what I meant to mention. A little bit of EN publishing news. I'm going to to just quick through this really quickly. Uh, One is that the late pledges and pre-orders are now available for Level Up, which I am hopeful is going to push it past the magic $1 million Mm -hmm. mark, because it was at 950000 when the Kickstarter ended. 
Mm-hmm. And I opened the pre-order store yesterday, and it's about another 25,000 done. So I think it might push it past the 1 million, which will be nice. Hey. Oh, yes, we like that. Um, the other one is that we announced, finally, I mean, I know you've known this for a while, Peter, that the Judge Dredd and the Worlds of 2018 license has ended. Oh, okay. I've talked to you about that before, but we only actually announced it this week. Yes, Russ. <laughs> that's totally a thing that we've talked about, and I've remembered and everything. You, you've okay. totally forgotten. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> okay, that's, that's it. Yeah. yeah, so um, we will be at Dragon Meat in December, and we have yes. a whole bunch of stock of yes. um, Just Red and the Wars of 2018 stuff, and we'll be selling that at half price because we want to shift some stock now. Uh, is it what the Hilton or something it was? Oh, no, Dragon Meat is yes. at. Um, the Novotel in Hammersmith. Yes, yes, lovely. Same place, Slot Simon. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're basically saying that you'll have a lot of uh, Judge Dredd and Wolves 2000 AD stock that may be going cheap? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. That is, in fact, what you're saying. Sale, mm. sale, mm. sale, sale. Good yeah. times. Yeah. yeah. All, All right. right. Let's have a look. Is there any, can I you think of any more news I may have missed? Um, it's not entirely related to RPGs, but it's sort of related to the Warhammer property. Okay. Uh, Warhammer and um, Warhammer 40k. Uh, there's been a statement from, um, Warhammer community, which I am gonna take a punt at saying represent Games Workshop when they're dealing with social people. And, uh, they have come out pretty categorically against um, hate groups, uh, things like if you come to a games workshop event or store and behave to the contrary, including wearing the symbols of real world hate groups, you'll be asked to leave. We're only mm-hmm. participate. We don't want your money. We don't want you in the Warhammer community. Okay, um, that's, that seems like the sort of thing that you, when people say that, you kind of think that why didn't they say that years ago? But yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, mate, it's it's like the sort of thing like. I don't go around telling people first thing I do that I'm an intersexual feminist because being an intersexual feminist is, I think, something that everybody surely should be doing. Hmm. But apparently not. You have to just sometimes come out and say, actually, no, we don't want any Nazis here. Thanks very much. Yeah. Go away. We don't want your money. Shoo, shoo. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, good for them. Yeah, good for them. Right. Any other news? I wanted to just point out two things that arrived doesn't shout out something. So, first of all, all right. um, Goliath Coins had a Kickstarter, mm. and I backed their Kickstarter for one Goliath coin, and they look like this, right this morning. I backed their Kickstarter for one Goliath coin. It looks like a, it's something the size of an Olympic medal. But yeah, it's, it's pretty big. It's pretty big, yeah, yeah. So yeah. this one's got a, a, a wizard on it, but each one's, each one's different. Um, okay. uh, and I, I backed it like a, six weeks ago or something. Okay. Um, and they emailed me and said they were refunding my pledge and they were going to send me my coin for free, which I was like, oh, thank you very much. That's okay. Very nice of you. Thank you. Well, they were basically, you know, they were, you know, they, um, they were a fan of sort of some of the work I do and stuff like that. And they just wanted oh. to do something nice, oh, which, I thought, which I thought was lovely. And, you know, I was yeah. really appreciative. But they didn't okay. just send me one coin. Yes. They sent me a whole pile of the things. Goodness. Yeah, I've got six of them. Seven of them. Six yeah. of them. Yeah. I mean, that's like a double handful of money. You know? Yeah. Are they gorgeous? We've got a griffin on or a dragon on that one. We've got a dragon on that one. That's a griffin, I think. We've yeah. got um, uh, a knight on that one. We've got a wizard. We've got a lich on one of them. 
yeah. I don't think you can actually see it. A, a, big, uh, a big selection of shinies. And what, what would you do with these coins? I don't know, but they're awesome. Right, right. <laughs> so possibly display pieces. Yes. Possibly if you need a D2. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're, they're pretty heavy. <laughs> they're, uh, they're solid metal. Yeah, nice bit of realia for representing a dragon sword. Yeah. yeah. Love it, love it. So I just yeah. wanted to shout out and say thank you to them. Thanks. See, if you've got six of them, you could also use them for uh, hero point tokens or bennies or I could something ju- like that. Nice. Yeah. Or I could use them as mini weapons and fling them at people from a distance. Well, it's, it's, it's one of their phones, as opposed to paying attention. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> ah, why? I don't know, they're a bit big for that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll stick to the old tried fashions, like a D6 or something like that. Well, the, the other thing I wanted to shout out, do you remember the roll and play folks who came onto our show? I can't remember. Was it like a year ago? Oh, six months ago. I can't, I can't yeah. remember what it was. Anyway, back there kicked out at the time. Yes. The has arrived. Ooh. And what this is, is it's a spiral bound kind tables? of... Yeah, just tons of random yeah. tables and things to choose from. So here are sort of... Um, so I'm looking at clerics and war priests. So yeah. why did you become an adventurer? So it's got eight different reasons why you might have become an adventurer there. Or Very nice. Or uh, we've got um, robust armor. So we've got like 10 different descriptions of armor here. And it's just like mm. lots and lots of random tables. Just a book full of them. All sorts so of things. That is what they promised. Yeah. Super useful. Yeah. Super yeah. handy. Um, role and play people being... That, 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 that's their jam. If you need random tables to help inspire and prime your game mastering engine, then they have you covered, mm. I think. Exactly. Is there a table at the beginning of the book that will randomly select another table in the book? <laughs> there should be. <laughs> like the, the contents Ooh. table should just have like a D100 down the side of it. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Got, I, uh, I think that's very definitely a, uh, <laughs> a product improvement suggestion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first table in the book is character names, D100. No, it's not the same. And we, yeah, it just, it's all divided into things like tools and trinkets for artificers and distinctive features, protective gear. It's just like, yeah. a lot of them are quite sort of like um, slightly obscure, but you suddenly realize, oh, that's quite useful. <laughs> so I'm pleased with that. Lots of flavor. Yeah, that will get, that will get use. Yeah. Right, anyway. Yeah. Oh, last bit of news. Mm-hmm. Strixhaven. Yes, yes, got yes. some mm-hmm. updated release dates. Okay. So pandemics and paper shortages and shipping delays and all these things are obviously the affecting price of cardboard. Yeah. yeah, good grief! All these things are obviously affecting um, um, production schedules all over the world at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so Strixhaven: Curriculum of Chaos has been delayed. So it was uh-huh. going to come out November the sixteenth, which is what is mm-hmm. it now? 19th. It was going to come out, yeah, on Tuesday. Tuesday yeah. just gone. Uh, yeah. So it's coming out in different regions at different times. So North America mm-hmm. is coming out December the 7th. Okay. Then Australia and New Zealand, December the 10th. Nice. Then Europe and the Middle East on December the 14th. Mm-hmm. And then Southeast Asia, December the 16th. Hmm, interesting. So, Europe, the Middle East, and Asia, we're waiting an extra month, it looks like, mm, on the, uh, the original date. But, I mean, this is affecting everyone. It's, uh, yeah. Any idea you- about the UK? Uh, well, I think we, I think they're counting us in Europe there. I know we're not technically in Europe anymore, but... <laughs> <I'm glad someone laughs> <is>. yeah. <laughs> we're not allowed we're to be not. Europe anymore, but... I know, it's very sad. <laughs> yes. Well... 
Well, we're, we're in the European continent, just not the European Union. So I suppose we are in Europe. Sure. Okay. Don't tell any Brexiteers that. <laughs> yeah. I, I won't mention that Europe is a continent, but that's fine. We'll move on from that. All right, then. Swiftly, swiftly on. So, <laughs> yeah. I, think, so. I think that is it for the news. I think we're done. Yeah. With the news out of the way. It's time to play our favourite game. It's time to play the game. Our favourite game in all the world. Guess the Kickstarter from just the name. Yeah. Shall we now play our favourite game in all the world? The game where I read out the name of a Kickstarter and you try and guess what it is from just the name. Well, now you've had the rules recap as well. <laughs> are, you, are you thinking of it? Uh, the, what, what, what do you say, Andrew? Would you like a go? Oh, sure. Fantastic. Okay, then. Would you like to go first, Peter, so that uh, Andrew can yeah. see how it works? Okay. Well, this, this is a demonstration, not necessarily a successful one. I'd just like to get that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Let's find one for you. Okay. So, what is hmm, New Edo? This is one oh. word, N-E-W, yeah. then a capital E-D-O. Yeah. New Edo. Okay. Well, just uh, shooting from the hip, as it were, it sounds like it's got something to do with the Edo period in Japan, which I know the name of, and I've seen reference, but I don't know a lot about. I think maybe it's got samurai in, question mark. Apologies for you historians and people who actually know anything about the subject. Uh, the use of new and the Edo sort of jammed together like that makes me reach for sort of my cyberpunk reflexes and mm-hmm. think there's some sort of like science fiction thing going on. Um, certainly like the cover would tell me a lot more but obviously I can't see that because otherwise that would make the game much easier yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so I'll take a punk a punk a punt and say that it is a 5th edition cyberpunk supplement which is focused on how to bring street samurai into your 5th edition game so how about that hmm. almost it's not 5th edition Oh, it's its own it's system, but it is cyberpunk samurai. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, cool. They call it a neon samurai world. Yes. Um, it, it's a game system called Clem, C-L-E-M, which stands for Crunchy, Light, Easily Managed. Mm-hmm. And apparently it okay. uses lots of dice. Okay. Yeah, uh, and yeah, it's yeah, cyberpunk samurai. Exactly that. Um I would give you a million points, Peter, but you did say it was the fifth edition, so I'm only going to give you 500,000 points for that. Oh, I think that's fair. Yeah, because yeah. because it's got a five in it, and I just like numbers with fives in them. It's all the logic yeah. I need. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, yeah. Anyway, so, there you go. So, okay. yeah, so that's, that's largely how the game works, and also how the scoring system works, which is okay. a lot more relevant. <laughs> right, yes. Totally arbitrary. I get it. Uh, uh, no, there's a, a very convoluted spreadsheet, and there's a, an algorithm, and it's, you know, it's just too, too complex for me to explain here on the podcast, but, you know, it's, it's uh, mathematical uh, uh, and, okay. and scientific. Uh, uh, <laughs> there's nothing yes. arbitrary about it at all. <laughs> No, <laughs> I am definitely not making the score right. <laughs> so, Excuse me. Uh, okay, are you ready, Andrew? I think I am. Okay, yeah. so this is called Survive This. Ooh. Survive This. And it's got uh, two exclamation marks at the end of Survive This. I was going to ask how many exclamation marks it has two. Uh, entered, because that's how you can tell. Uh, so mm. two is right in the middle, so it's mm. survivable, but not 
so difficult to survive that it necessitated three exclamation marks. <laughs> um, sort of a mid-range lack of survivability. Uh, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. So, so I assume all of these are RPG products of yes. some kind. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm going to assume, let's see. I mean, really, Survive This is any RPG game run by the right kind of GM. <laughs> um, I'm going to assume, just based on the name of the theme, that we're in some sort of uh, some sort of dystopian squid game reality show, Hunger Games kind of thing. Well, I just started and, watching Squid uh, Game this week, actually. I'm two episodes in. Yeah. So, it's interesting. Uh, so I'm, I'm guessing it's that it's 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 something where you are you're met with a number of challenges that uh, are designed to kill you and you are doing your best to escape them unscathed which again does kind of sound like every single role-playing game ever. yes yeah but yeah <laughs> you, you're clearly not a big fan of best friends i gotta say that yeah <laughs> so this this more specifically it's um the uh dark places and demogorgons rpg which okay. is an OSR take on Stranger Things, basically. Oh. Which, um, Survive This is the hardcover, a 200 page hardcover version of that book, of that game. Huh. So huh. it's a D20 based OSR influenced co- uh, original system. Um, well, the Dark Places and Demogorgons system. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I speak hardcover. Yeah, Stranger Things OSR. I don't think there's, I think just those two words is enough to tell you what that is. Pretty much. Cool. So I yeah. was nowhere close, but uh, nowhere it close, still sounds no. good. Yeah. <laughs> but your game does sound awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. If you want to play, yeah. if you want to play 1980s teenagers from a small town investigating strange occurrences, this is probably the game you want. I mean, you could play 1980s teenagers from a small town who are participating in a dystopian reality show. Yeah. If you, you want, I'm sure it's possible. Or you could play kids on bikes. Or you, yeah, you could play could kids on bikes I mean, as well. Yeah. It, it, depends, it depends on how much D20 you want to throw at it. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. I guess so. I guess so. Okay, then. So, I'll give you two points for that. Um, Andrew? Well, it's charitable, honestly. Yeah. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> so, Peter, are you ready for your next one? I'll give it a go. What, what is Advanced Lovers and Lesbians? Oh, I don't know. <clears throat> Sorry, you'll have to pause. Oh, I uh, remember this is very, I don't know, are we a family podcast. I mean, you could listen yeah. to it if it happened, I suppose. Well, we'd be yeah. out swear words, <laughs> I guess. So. <laughs> oh, thank f- for that. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we, 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 we must we must watch out for our language. Um, okay, so advanced lovers and lesbians. Mm. It feels like a sort of a parody game that is um, laughing at D20, uh, very queer-themed. I'm going to take a massive bunt on, obviously. Um, like, heavily romance. Romance is, like, one of the key key features. I don't know which system it is, because I'm not, not really as up-to-date as I should be. But I feel like it's a sort of a storytelling game of some description. So maybe Powered by the Apocalypse family? Maybe they're not as popular. Or I think I think I'll go with actually an original system or one that I or at least one that I've not heard of before. Hmm. Um yeah. Should have stuck with your first guess. It is Powered Apparently. by the Apocalypse. So have it's you heard of you, you've probably heard of Thirsty Sword Lesbians, which is yes. from Evil Hat Productions. So this is yeah. a massive expansion 
for that. Mm. Um, it's got 10 new playbooks, 21 new settings, four adventures, options for two-player games. You know, just a whole bunch of op- uh, uh, sort of options for Thirsty Sword Lesbians. So it's, so it's advanced Thirsty Sword Lesbians. It's, it's kind of advanced Thirsty Sword Lesbians, yes. Advanced Lovers yeah. and Lesbians. Um, yeah. Wow. Ah, okay. <laughs> so uh, the Thirsty Sword Lesbians... I'm trying to get actual <laughs> words out in order. <laughs> the Thirsty Sword Lesbians game is a Powered yeah. by the Apocalypse game, is what I was trying to say there. Yes. So if you'd stuck with your first guess... I would have been correct. You'd yes. have got a million points. But because you didn't, mm. you were only going to get one point. Fair enough. So that gives you, I think, five million, no, five hundred thousand and one points so far. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, sure. Sounds right to me. Yes, two yeah. and just so two points. The score points. is currently five hundred thousand and one to two. Yes. Yeah. Don't yeah. worry. Do, this game doing all right. <laughs> this game can turn around on it. A... Okay. It's then. it's pretty pretty swingy. Is mm. what we're saying. Mm. Yeah. So, are we ready, Andrew? This is the last one. You can do this. I guess we are. Yeah. Yeah. So, what is the Barbarian's Bloody Quest? The Barbarian's Bloody Quest. Mm. Okay. Mm. Well, uh, just saying those words out loud Im- immediately make me think of like Commodore sixty four graphics of some kind. <laughs> oh, so I remember um, that Barbarian game. Yeah, he, I had that on so Spectrum I'm, actually. The uh, Spectrum forty eight K. Sounds right. So I, I'm picturing what the cover looks like. Uh, that doesn't tell me a lot about the game itself. The Barbarian's Bloody Quest. Is Barbarians plural or singular? Uh, singular. Okay. Yes, yeah, the Bloody Quest of the Barbarian. Okay. Um, in that case, if we're talking about a single Barbarian, I am going to say it is a two-player game with a GM and a single player mm. uh, in which the player takes on the role of a Barbarian uh questing in a bloody fashion um the commodore 64 graphics that i can't get out of my head also (laughs) make me uh, want to add Mm. elements of oregon trail to it uh Mm. so i'm going to say that the barbarian must constantly fight uh diphtheria uh food and uh yeah oh yeah sorry dysentery (laughs) yeah they're uh, they're terrible disease um Could be diphtheria too. I don't know. Lots of diseases. Uh, but the uh, barbarian I mean, sepsis. It, it's a it's a thing. Diseases begin with D. They've got it basically, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, that's, hmm. uh, adds adds new levels of meaning to the barbarian's bloody quest as well. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's what I'm going to say. Yeah. I'm almost certain to be wildly wrong, uh, but uh, that's that's what I'm picturing based on the name. It's a solid solid guess. Um, uh-huh. Would you? I like- guess it's like the word bloody means. As like a sort of sort of different connotations. So it's oh, yeah, like if I said the barbarian's bloody quest, yeah. it's like you're playing a group of like um, like dungeon min- minions who are like just trying to outsmart this impossibly strong barbarian that is mm-hmm. on a quest that they are too stupid to understand yeah. for an end which is almost entirely inconsequential, and for some reason you have to try and stop them. Uh, and physical violence will avail you naught because they are a barbarian. <laughs> it could also just be that the quest is extremely frustrating. The barbarian is trying to get some some oh, beer. No, not this exactly. bloody game. Yeah, no. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, barbarian's bloody quest. It's causing such a headache. Yeah, yeah there we go. Uh, no, everyone, stop going on about that bloody barbarian's I, bloody I, quest. I don't, I don't think that is. My, I, I, I don't think that is the correct guess, but that is what it no, brings I'd, up for me. I'd love one of us to be right you. for lots of reasons yeah. here. But. So you're you're not. Off Andrew, would you like to take a punt at a system? At a system? Hmm. Let's see. I mean, it's 
Powered by the Apocalypse is a pretty safe guess most of the time, but we just did one of those, so I'm assuming it's not that. So I'm going to say it's 5e. Just like PJ, you should have stuck with your first guess. Because oh. <laughs> oh. it is powered by the apocalypse. <laughs> so um, a wizard murdered and enslaved your people, and now you're among strangers on a bloody quest for revenge. Let all wizards beware. Okay. It sounds kind of fun. It's the second in a series of zine tabletop RPGs, which share a system. Mm-hmm. And the first one was called uh, The Wizard's Grimoire. This one's called Is the Barbarian. you play the wizard killing the barbarian family? I guess family. so, yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> Seems likely. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, um, the wizard's grimoire, you were an ambitious wizard with a grimoire beyond your arts. In this one, you're a warrior and a wanderer sworn to vengeance upon the wizard who wronged you. Right, so clearly hmm. you're a wizard. You're meddling things with which man was not meant to know, which is basically the job description of wizards everywhere. <laughs> True. Something inevitably... Inevitably went wrong. Yeah. And now there's a barbarian out to kill you. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and then the wizard, third though. volume is uh, somebody seeking vengeance for collateral damage caused by the barbarian. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> the third volume is someone like claiming insurance on the air. Or magical hazardous waste cleanup. <laughs> yeah. Where they have to go into the dungeon and work out how to defuse, disarm, and just mm. deal with the terrifying magical re- wreckage that's been left behind. <laughs> that's actually a fantastic idea for a game. I would love to uh I'd love to play a party of like magical magical that's waste that. disposal experts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. M- uh, yeah, but M- MWD is like unfortunate action then. Really, I'm sure, but, I'm, yeah, sure it has, I'm sure it has yeah. to exist out there by this point. Every yeah, game seem, that could exist likely. must exist by now. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know there's like a computer game, which uh, I can't remember the name of it, which is going to annoy me. Uh, essentially, you go and you clean up space stations and like oh, military yeah. facilities. You know the one I'm talking about. I'm just trying to remember. I've, I've played that one. It's it's like a first-person shooter, but you've got a mop and you're cleaning up after <laughs> yeah. the guy who just went through it and shot all the demons. Yeah, yeah that, that's it. Yeah, uh, or, or the alien thing. Viscera cleanup detail. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yes, there we go. That sounds amazing. It looks pretty cool. Mm. I, I really should get around to thinking. Yeah. That. I'm right. sorry, I, did, I derailed you, Russ. You were yes. So, <laughs> so Andrew, I'm going to give you um, five hundred thousand and two points for that. Okay. Oh, nice, right. nice. Which I think puts oh, you one point in the lead. Oh, okay. All right. I think I'm three points in the lead. Three points in the lead. That's even better. Yeah, well done. Well well done. In that case, that means you are this week's winner of our favorite game in all the world. Congratulations. That was was quite a turnaround. (laughs) Yeah. You were worried. You were thinking, oh, I'm never going to overcome this late. And there you go. It was like like a Rocky boxing match where he's been knocked down and he gets up and then then he knocks down. You know know how it goes. They got knocked down, they got back up again. (laughs) That's what the Wonder song. Exactly. (laughs) Very very inspirational. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well done. Yeah, so Andrew, you get to take home this week's trophy, which is a... I forgot what the trophy is. What is it, Peter? A smug sense of self-satisfaction. There we go. My oh. mind went blank for a second there. Despite the fact oh, that I've given I, it up out like two, 200 times before. I, I, know, right? <laughs> I, I mean, that's what I came for. So yeah, that's, uh, yeah. yeah. Mission accomplished. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's it then. We're agreed. 
will travel to the Arch Drake's Lair and defeat the foul beast in glorious battle. The 19 duchies shall be free again. Excellent! Let us hurry to the stables and mount our swift-winged Pegasi. We can be there by dawn. Ah, Pegasi, you say? Yes, indeed. These noble creatures shall convey us at great speed, avoiding marsh and forest alike. Right, right, I, I understand that, but there is a slight problem. A problem, friend Jork? What sort of a problem? I'm afraid I can't fly on the Pegasi. It's against my religion. Against your religion? Yeah, riding on Pegasi, specifically forbidden. Well, that's inconvenient, but never mind. We shall call upon the giant eagles instead. They shall swoop majestically through the air. We will reach the dragon's lair in no time at all. Yes, eagles, good thinking there, but, um... You seem hesitant, Job. What ails you? It's just that I'm allergic to bird feathers. Allergic to bird feathers? Yes, I come out with a horrible rash. A rash? Oh, yes, it's terribly itchy. So, you see, I won't actually be able to travel by giant eagle. No, no, I see. Can't fight a mighty dragon overlord with a rash. That wouldn't do at all. I'm glad you understand, friend Lark. It matters not. Instead, we shall avail ourselves of these flying broomsticks. We shall pierce the clouds like arrows. That dragon will never know what hit him. Broomsticks, eh? Ah, don't tell me you're allergic to broomsticks, too. No, no. That would be silly. It's just that with this ear infection, I'm afraid that balancing upon broomstick will be quite impossible. This is proving quite the quandary. I suppose the feather allergy rules out griffins and hippogriffs, too. Indeed, Renlock. What about wyverns? Oh, I really can't abide the smell. A lovely flying carpet. Those dust mites, they just get right up my nose. An ingenious gnomish airship. Fred Lark, you know how seasick I get. An enchantment which will grant you the power to soar through the air without wings. Normally, I would, but... But what? My doctor has instructed me to cut down on the magical enchantments. My friend, sure. If I didn't know better, I think you didn't want to go and battle the mighty Archdrake Vicaraxitix. Oh, no, no, I do, I do. It's just that... Out with the job, time passes. I'm afraid of heights. Really? Yes, it's utterly terrified of them. And that's the best we can come up with, is it? What do you mean, friend Lark? Well, after nearly 200 sketches, the best punchline we can manage is I'm afraid of heights. Well, they can't all be comedy gems, Lark. Even so, it's no polearm sketch, is it? I think we're both really quite thankful about that, aren't we, Lark? Hey, so Peter, I was uh, I was walking down the road the other day and uh, I saw this bunch of really cool, good-looking people. Cool? Good lucky. That could only be our patrons. Yep. Man, I have never seen such a well-informed, debonair bunch in all my life. Yeah, right, you know... Why is that? I don't know. You tell me. Well, if I was forced to speculate, I guess it's because they listen to our top secret, super exclusive bonus episode every week. Bonus episode? What? Yeah. Each week, our patrons get an extra half hour or even more of extra content that nobody else gets to hear. Wow. That's amazing. Where can they find this? 
Oh, it's pretty simple. You just head over to patreon.com slash Morris and pledge a monthly donation. Anything from a dollar to whatever you think we're worth. Huh, I did a, uh, a scientific calculation once just to see how much we're worth. Oh, yeah. How much? Uh, you probably don't want to know. Probably for the best. Anyway, if you, if you enjoy our podcast, please head on over to patreon.com slash Morris and, you know, just pledge a little. That's patreon.com slash Morris. And thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this without you. I reckon we could. Shh. Okay, then. So, unions. Let's talk about unions. Let's do it. So, Andrew, can you sort of um, give us a, a little background into why why this union came about? All right. So, there had been conversations about unionizing at Paizo going back uh, for years, as it mm. turns out. Probably, let me let me first give some context in the way Paizo is organized. We've got, uh, it's a small company, but we are surprisingly siloed. We've got a lot of different departments. Mm. And the art department, editorial department, ops department, uh, warehouse tech, don't always have as much interaction with each other as you would think, given that right. we're a bunch of people in a fairly small space. Mm. So as it turned out, individual groups of people had been discussing unionizing before. But we'd never gotten around to talking to people in the other departments about it. And as right, such, right. we had no idea just how much support there was in the company. Mm. So the catalyst for this most recent effort was there was a fairly high profile incident right before Gen Con this year mm. where the the community manager at Paizo uh, was unexpectedly terminated and let mm. go. Mm-hmm. And another, she wasn't technically the community manager. She was the customer service lead. But at Paizo, the customer service department handles all the community management. Mm. So she was terminated suddenly. And her second in command quit in solidarity. Mm. And this was a shock to pretty much everybody at Paizo because she had been there for 12 years. Mm, That's a long time. Yes. She had been instrumental in forming a lot of what made Paizo's customer service department, arguably, I mean, I'm biased, but I, I would say the best in the industry. It's it's mm. rare that the people write in or specifically praise the customer service department at any company. Mm. But we got a lot of people saying, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. You've done an amazing job handling handling my, my problem. Thank you. Mm. So this was a shock to everybody in part because yeah. it left the CS department in a, in a tenuous position uh, without a lot of institutional knowledge and suddenly having to handle a massive PR crisis. And it sort of impressed upon everybody at the company, just how fragile their roles were. If, if somebody Mm -hmm. with a spotless record of service and 12 years at the company could just get terminated one day for no apparent reason, there's no reason being given at all. No reason has been given. We don't, and there, and it's an at will state. The way it works in Washington mm. is, uh, you can be fired at any time for any reason. Um, right. you can also leave at any time for any, for any reason, but mm. yeah, they don't have to tell you anything. And, right. uh, right. and in this case, my understanding is that they did not. Yes. So that was, uh, sort of everybody, everybody was kind of reeling about that for a couple of days. At the yeah. same time, there was also a, a high, fairly high profile Twitter thread that was going around that was prompted in part by uh, this initial incident where 
people, former and current employees at Paisa were weighing in on some other issues that they'd had in the past that they had, for whatever reason, avoided blowing the whistle on earlier mm-hmm. and were now just, uh, just, just letting it spill. There were incidents about uh, transphobia, policies mm-hmm. that implied transphobia, uh, questionable behavior on the part of some members of the, of the leadership or management. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of, lots of dirty laundry, essentially. Right, right. Mm. And that really just fueled and galvanized the effort, uh, not just at Paizo, but amongst our freelance community, which, mm. Mm. so I'm not sure how, how much people are aware of of how reliant Paizo is on its freelance community. We put out a lot of content oh. every year, and most of that content is written by freelancers. Mm. Oh, yeah, it's fairly standard across the industry there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the freelancers are sometimes also our full-time employees, mm. but uh, a large number of them are just people around the world that we that we mm. have. We have a, a stable of people who sure. do good stuff, good writing, yeah. and we keep them in contact. So one of the things that happened early on in our unionizing phase before mm-hmm. anybody was even made aware that the union was forming mm-hmm. was the freelancers stopped accepting new contracts. Right. Oh. They sent they made a public announcement saying, "Hey, until we these issues are deeply concerning mm-hmm. and uh, until we see some re- some reason to believe that they're going to be seriously looked at and addressed, uh, mm-hmm. we won't be taking any more contracts." Mm-hmm. So right. the freelancers organized in some way as well, then, or, or did the they just... The uh, freelancers actually were organizing completely independently of the union. They mm, happened mm. at about the same time because we okay. were all shocked by the same incidents. Right, right. But mm. they were not aware that we were doing anything. Okay. Right. Okay. And at first, that's why their request for uh, their hashtag Paizo Accountability was about getting these these issues looked at or at least mm. getting a, an official response from the company implying mm. that the issues would be looked at mm-hmm. yeah but in the meantime they had uh, th- they had stopped accepting new work and in some cases they were withholding work that had already been completed mm. so we were talking about uni- unionizing at the same time mm. but we didn't directly reach out to the freelancers until we mm. were almost at the stage where we were ready to make our public announcement Mm-hmm. Uh, and when we did, they pivoted to, okay, well, what we want now in order to restart work is, uh, we want you to voluntarily recognize the union. Mm. And I think that the degree to which that was directly responsible for Paizo management voluntarily recognizing the union cannot mm. be overstated. I think, right. I think this one was won for us by the freelancers. I think right. that, uh, if it had really been. Key. Do you, do, do, you not, do you not think that Pfizer would have voluntarily done so otherwise then? I think in general, it is rare for any company to voluntarily recognize, um, mm. mainly because mm. management doesn't like to give up power. Right, right. Um, I think it's it's always possible. I don't know what was going through the heads of the management during all this process. They could have done it. Um, mm. But I think that the freelancers gave us leverage such that they didn't really have any realistic option but to recognize. Yeah. And I also think the, the only that all of this was happening so publicly at the time as well made, yeah. it, made that difficult. It, it was extremely public. Yeah. The best case scenario, had they not chosen to recognize, would have dragged it out for another few months or weeks. Yeah. Uh, mm. Some of those freelancers would never have come back. Um, mm. In the meantime, PR would have just gotten worse. Mm. And the statement that we released when we originally announced – 
uh, we already had overwhelming support amongst the mm-hmm. the uh, the eligible employees at Paizo, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. most of whom signed the letter that we sent out to the execs and made right. public. And it was even if they had brought in a union busting firm, which again is fairly typical for for companies going going through this. It's very unlikely they would have been able to strip off enough people to uh, to actually make it affect the vote so that it wouldn't have gone through. So mm. it was almost a foregone conclusion at that point. And right. I think they made the right decision. Yeah. Yeah. So how many people work at Paizo? Paizo is a much smaller company than, uh, than people think. Uh, oh. It's right now it's somewhere between 70 and 80 people. We haven't been back in the office okay. in a long time, and I honestly right. can't remember mm. yeah. what the number is. But that includes, you know, warehouse people and... Yep, that's yeah, everybody. Yeah, that's everybody. editorial yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and tech yeah. and warehouse and yeah. CS and everyone. Right, right. And how many, how many people are currently in the union? So, uh, Paizo, again, as I was mentioning before, is a, is a strange... It has a strange Silent. internal structure. Mm-hmm. Well, the departments I mentioned earlier, there's also the fact that it has a history of promoting people into managerial roles as... Mm-hmm a reward, I guess, instead mm-hmm. of necessarily giving them pay increases. Right. So okay. we've got a lot of managers. We've got like 75 mm-hmm. employees, and of those, I want to say like 35 of them are managers of right. some kind. Oh. Right, okay. okay. That is quite quite a yeah. – that is <laughs> a lot. I, I, you said 75. I was thinking, oh, well, five would probably do it, so maybe 10. And then yeah. you're saying 35 – that is a lot of matches. It's weird. Uh, it's yeah. it's a little. It it, actually, weird. it may not be that high because I'm thinking there were also some people who were not eligible. Uh, the finance, the entire financial department, for instance, is not eligible because they have access to confidential uh, information. Mm. Okay. But even taking them out, we've still got thirty plus people yeah. in managerial yeah. roles. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of people who we know and who are most certainly uh, sub- union supporters and who would mm-hmm. have otherwise been members of the union. Mm-hmm. Are still not eligible because technically they are people managers. Right. Uh, yeah. Of the right. people that uh, are eligible, uh, the forty plus people that are eligible, we've got. I can't remember at last count. I think we had somewhere in the neighborhood of eighty percent of them right. had signed union right. cards. Yeah. And we've reached out to everybody since then, and uh, we don't have anybody who has explicitly said I don't support the union. We've just got some people who kind of just don't want to get involved in the politics or mm. feel awkward because they have personal relationships with some of the people who aren't eligible, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. And so, I suppose there's a little element of just good old-fashioned procrastination as well. So this, some of those people might I, I, I'm, I'm hoping that some of those people will eventually yeah. come around as we start to actually get things accomplished. Sure. But yeah. in general, the, the support within the company for the union has been extremely high. Right. Yeah. So, what are the specific goals of the of the union? Have you, I assume you've got a list of uh, of things that you specifically want to achieve in a in a given time period. What would those be? We do. So, we are in the process mm-hmm. right now of putting together our bargaining committee, who are mm-hmm. the people who are going to actually be speaking with the executives, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. to to negotiate the changes that we want to see at the company. Mm-hmm. And we put out an unofficial survey fairly early on, before we even announced publicly. Mm-hmm. Uh, to find out what people were most interested in. Mm-hmm. And the number one thing that is a concern to the most people is is pay equity. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the the pay at Paizo is, is all over the place, kind of like our org chart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh-huh. the people at the lower so end... So it's like equal pay for equal work, that sort of... 
Well, it's, is that it's, right? Or? It's, well, it's, 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 it's multiple different things. Uh, the biggest okay. issue right now is that the people at the low end of the pay scale, mostly the mm-hmm. CS people and the warehouse people, mm-hmm. uh, are literally making less at Paizo than they could if they went and worked at the, at the burger restaurant up the street. Right. 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 Okay. That, that is a, that's a big issue. Yeah. Yeah. They're barely making a living wage. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't seem right. We, we, mm-hmm. Especially considering the CS people in particular have been dealing with this, handling this crisis of the past few weeks, months at this point. Yeah. Um, they're the frontline workers right in the, in the CS being customer service. Sorry. Yes. Customer service. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So our number one concern is that we want to make sure that everybody is at least being paid a living wage. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Adjacent, but not directly related to that is we want to make sure that people who are doing the same work are mm. getting paid the same, as you mentioned mm-hmm. there earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of weird situations where somebody is somebody is promoted into a role without getting an accompanying pay raise, and then yeah. somebody else gets hired directly into that role, and that mm. person does get more pay because mm-hmm. that pay, th- that role, when somebody's a- applying for the role, they expect higher yeah. pay, and that way you end up with people who are literally doing the exact same job with wildly different salaries. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. we would like to see an end of that as well. Yeah. Obviously, part of the reason that we have understood the pay rates to be fairly low historically mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. that we know that tabletop role-playing games are kind of a niche industry. Mm-hmm. And we don't actually know what ISO's profit margins are. We don't actually know uh, how much money we spend, how much money we make, anything like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So in all likelihood, the first thing that we're going to be asking for is some more transparency on, on the company's finances. Sure. So yeah. that we can know how feasible various requests for, for pay increases are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's where we're starting. Uh, we've got a number of different issues that came up. A lot of people uh, feel fairly strongly about work from home options, which is mm-hmm. reasonable. There's a lot of more considerations there. But uh, in particular, people have, now that we've been doing this for like two years, and it's fairly uh, fairly evident that we're more than capable of doing our jobs remotely, mm-hmm. a lot of people are saying, hey, look, it's uh, this. I've, I've, I've saved a lot of money on commuting. Mm-hmm. Technically, if uh, if I could live in another state, the low pay mm-hmm. that I'm getting for the job I'm doing would go a lot mm-hmm. further. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of considerations there, and of course, yeah. there's technical infrastructure that would have to be upgraded. So mm-hmm. that's it's not quite as as simple as that. There's I think, but I believe there's wow. also tax reasons, tax considerations in different states. Mm-hmm. But that's something that people have expressed interest in as well. I yeah. think the third thing that people are primarily concerned with is that on the executive team at Paizo, mm. uh, there is not currently representation for every department in the company. Oh, okay. Yeah. For instance, uh, we don't have, we don't have a CTO anymore. Really? No we, chief technical officer. That's correct. We don't. Right. Okay. Yeah. Until recently we had no CTO at all. There was a brief period mm. where, uh, they hired a new chief financial officer Mm-hmm. but for some reason decided that they were going to look for a, 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 a CFO that also had tech leading experience, which didn't work out particularly well. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. So we would like to get some representation for everybody on, on the board. Uh, mm. it's, it's weird because we have the, the tech team does have a leader who has been performing a CTO rule, uh, role for mm. years at this point. But uh, she's just never been elevated to that point. 
So right, right. Huh. we would we would like to make sure that every department has a seat at the table in the executive Ooh. discussions. Mm. It would be great yeah. if we could get uh, a a union rep at the table as well, but uh, mm-hmm. one thing at a time. What does the current leadership team at Paizo look like at the moment? Because I know there was an announcement uh, a week ago, two weeks ago, uh, recently anyway, about uh, that leadership team increasing in size. Mm. Yeah. So the it used to be called the executive team, and it used mm. to be composed of all of the C-levels. Now it's the leadership team, and it is composed of the two owners of the company, um, mm-hmm. the president of the company, who used to be the COO, the mm. uh, chief financial officer, mm. to, and the two new ads. Oh, um, the publisher, that's just mm. er- Eric Mona, and mm. the two VPs, the VP of advertise of marketing and the vp of sales were the two mm. that were just elevated to that team right um so yeah there's nobody representing the the tech team there's nobody representing mm. the warehouse um mm. yeah it, i also feels like that's some fairly key parts of the company which aren't getting yeah. any representation yes that yeah. i i would also agree with that and granted yeah. i'm biased because i work on the <laughs> tech team uh, but yes, I, 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 I do fairly strongly feel that there are a lot of considerations that the, that the current team are not fully aware of and, mm. uh, and could benefit from some insight on from people who actually yeah. work with those teams. Yeah. Actually getting the books to people and also like yeah. interfacing directly with your customers do seem like roles that need a lot of support, I would say. Yes. That, that's my opinion, obviously. So yeah. when uh, when Paizo announced the expansion of that team um, last week or the week before, the union put out a statement of its own in response to that. Can you talk a little on that statement and what, what that meant? Sure. So the, the, the general reaction to that, the expansion of the leadership team, was uh, disappointment. Mm-hmm. And I think... I, I don't want to to speak for everybody in the union because we've got mm. a lot of people in the union and a lot of different perspectives and opinions. Mm. But I think one of the biggest problems that, that the current leadership team has is a a, a similarity in perspective. Mm. I think that they are mostly people who have all worked together, have known each other for a long time. Mm-hmm. They're generally of the same background. Most of them, some of them at least, uh, go all the way back to TSR, certainly mm-hmm. Watsi. Yeah. Um, they've been in the industry for a long time. And one of the things that both we and the freelancers initially asked for when we mm-hmm. were talking about was we would really like to see some, some diversity on the team. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we didn't get that. We got the, uh, 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 argu- argu- arguably the closest thing to the, to the opposite of what we had asked for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you feel that promotes a sort of maybe the potential danger. We're not saying it definitely does, but the potential danger of like groupthink. I think it definitely does. Mm-hmm. I think that there is a tendency, and I think this is this is in some ways an inevitable side effect of the way that Paizo formed as a company. It formed as mm-hmm. uh, a company of people who had previously worked at Watsi, many of whom had also previously worked at TSR, and that's where their yeah. connections came yeah. from. Mm-hmm. And that was the seed of the leadership team. Some of those people went off to other companies and have since mm-hmm. come back to Paizo. Mm-hmm. When these people got started in the industry, the industry was much more insular than it is yeah. now. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that as a result of that, they have a tendency to always come back to the same fairly small well of talent mm-hmm. without taking into account the fact that there are lots of different perspectives that uh, that they that they should be looking into, especially at a company like mm-hmm. Paizo, where uh, a lot of what we've been doing recently has uh, absolutely been founded on the fact that, uh, hey, you know, diverse viewpoints mm-hmm. in gaming and, and setting yeah. and storytelling mm-hmm. – uh, are good. We, yeah. uh, we should absolutely be leaning into this more often. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't have the exact numbers, but our, our Mwangi Expanse, uh, book mm. we put out recently was immensely popular for, mm. for yeah. precisely that reason. And, uh, I think that there is, there is a feeling both in the community and within the company and among mm. the freelancers that it would be beneficial to everyone if we started mm-hmm. seeing a similar attitude in the way the company is run. Yeah, uh, a broad, broader talent pool with like a more meritocratic selection so you can make sure you have the very best people rather than maybe the ones that you know. Right. Yeah. yeah. Some new and faces. Part of that is, part of that is also there, there's, there's, yeah. um, I was mentioning before that, uh, the way that Paizo's, uh, org chart is, is a little bit strange and unusual. Mm. There's not a lot of upward mobility at the company. Mm. The closest thing that there really is to upward mobility is if you are a member of a team for long enough, it seems you eventually get promoted to manager. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, but there's not really any opportunity for somebody who's a manager to get both of both of the VPs who were ele- recently elevated to the leadership team mm-hmm. were hired directly into those positions. Right. right. And those positions were never, uh, were never publicly posted or were never right. made. Uh, they were never inter- advertised. Yeah, they were never, never advertised. There was never any any opportunity for anybody at the company to uh, to mm. apply for one of those. Just so I understand, you can be promoted from within to a certain level, but to reach like the what the the C level? Did you say that's sort of the director? Sort it's of? it's confusing because it used to be mm. the executive team, and that was back yeah. when we had multiple C levels. But now we yeah. kind of have a C level and a bunch of various leadership implying titles mm. that uh, that aren't necessarily sea levels and that's that has been rebranded the leadership team now it used to yeah. be the executive team now it's leadership leadership team you you have to basically come in from the outside almost it feels like is that that's how it feels yeah, yeah. yeah. to be on the leadership team you either have to have been there from day one and mm. rose through the ranks back mm. when there was like 10 people yeah, uh, yeah. or you are hired directly into a position that is one tier lower than leadership team and then eventually they yeah. promote you. Yeah. Well, most no, of the competition to, for these things because well, there's no externally advertised comp- there's no internal or external advertisement of these positions. Is that is that right? That is correct, yes. Okay. So most of the companies in Seattle mm-hmm. as far as I can make out the technology uh, companies are kind of run by people who used to be wizards or TSR. Is that a fair statement? Um, It's so we're in Redmond. Um, Wizards of the Coast is down mm-hmm. in Renton. Mm-hmm. I would say that certainly the reason that the arguably the two largest video ga- uh, uh, t- tabletop role playing yeah. game publishers in the company are here is because a lot of the uh, people who came over from TSR when uh, when Wizards bought them, mm-hmm. and then were subsequently left Wizards or were laid off from Wizards, yeah, uh, yeah. just ended up in the same area. So. Uh, sorry, what was the actual question there? I just say, is, is it fair to say that most of the companies in that area are generally run by people from Wizards or TSR? Or I would, used I to would work say for? so, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's certainly how it looks in the, from the outside. 
Hmm. Yeah. So what what other sort of plans have you got with regarding some of the other things that you mentioned? You mentioned sort of transphobia. You mentioned some management practices. You mentioned a whole bunch of different things. Um, are they? Have you got like specific action plans to address those things, or how, how does all that how does all that work? Well, the hope is that once we have people represented, and we have people represented oh. now by the yeah. end, um, oh. people will be less shy about publicly expressing their concerns about right, one right. thing or another. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of the reason that uh, some of these things had to be raised by people. Uh, former employees who, mm. who are no longer at the company are because people who are within the company were concerned that if they spoke up, they would be fired. Right. right. Mm. And now that we are no longer at will employees, uh, there is less risk of that. So mm. I think that hopefully people will start to feel more empowered to speak up about things that concern them. Mm. I think that, uh, Another major thing that the company is already working on is uh, is hiring an HR person, mm-hmm. which we don't currently have. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, that will provide uh, another outlet for people to talk to about issues. Mm-hmm. I think, in general, the company has a lot of problems. The transphobia thing is one of them. General feelings of, of harassment have uh, have been expressed by people for over the years. The problem, I think, isn't necessarily those individual incidents so much as mm-hmm. the fact that there has been really no recourse for the people who were subjected. Right. Yeah. 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 And now that there is, now that they have a union, now that we have representation, now that we have someone that we can trust to go to if uh, if someone's uh, feeling uncomfortable for whatever reason, mm-hmm. I think that alone is, uh, is, is, a, is, a, is a worthy goal in itself we've already accomplished. Right, right. And I think that having that, having that place to go and having that path forward is going to be important to cleaning up the company and making it a better place mm-hmm. to work, which is ultimately what all of us want. Yeah. I think yeah. that, uh, I think that, you know, I mentioned before that, that a lot of the people at the lower end of the pay scale at Paizo could be paying more if they went across the street and, and started flipping burgers instead. Mm. Uh, the reason mm. they don't do that is because they love the, Paizo. Yeah. They love yeah. the Go people they work with. They love, yeah. they love the products. Mm. They love, uh, they love the things that we do. They love our ideals mm. and they just want to see the company live up to them. Yes. And I think that yeah. now we have a way to, to effect that kind of change. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you said earlier, I think you mentioned a couple of times, it's an at-will employment state. That's uh, where, Yeah. Uh, so for listeners outside of the US who may not be familiar with that, you, you're saying also that you can be sacked at any time just because, even if you worked there for as long as 12 years. That's correct. And that's not an unusual state of affairs, is it? Uh, unfortunately, no, it's not. No. Um, mm. I don't think... I don't remember seeing it happen. I've been at Paizo for about four years. Mm-hmm. It, I didn't personally see it happen very often, but I heard plenty of stories from people who did mm-hmm. about you know stories where somebody would go into a meeting uh, to discuss their salary and then just randomly get fired instead. Right, mm-hmm. right. Part of the reason that, uh, yeah, there's there was definitely a, a lot of, paranoia from everybody that you know tread lightly or somebody who's having a bad day might fire you mm. and uh that's not it's not a it's not a fun way to live no and obviously whilst there are legal protections for protected characteristics like you can't say for example like you're gay therefore you're fired 
That's true, but the the, hey, the equally, if someone comes in and your boss says, "You know what? I don't like your shoes today. You're fired." That is also they can effective. fire you for being gay as long as they don't tell you that you're being fired for being right, gay. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but, uh, uh, Jeff Alvarez, who's the uh, president of Paizo at the yes. moment, he made a statement just the other day on Monday. Mm-hmm. And in that statement, he refers to the hiring of a law firm. Uh, Morit Hock and Hamroff, it's called. And that, yes. that law firm's going to be investigating allegations of discrimination against trans employees and sexual misconduct. Is that, uh, mm. is that uh, an action that um, the union is behind? Yeah. Are you supportive of that? Is that enough? Is it? I'm, I'm mm. supportive of it. I, yeah. I think that it's, it's definitely a, a, a good faith gesture. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm, um, I guess, the the problem with it is that the the results of the investigation will never be made public. Oh, um, right. Uh, not, not will to they the be union. made public to? Uh, not, don't be revealed to the union. I, I mean, they could no. be, but uh, no. I, I we haven't been we haven't been told that they will. We right. the union was not part of that of that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, that happened after we announced, but before. Uh, yeah, that happened after we announced, but they didn't reach out to us to, to talk about anything yeah. like that. I mean, he does mention in the in the statement that Paizo will mm. not be able to make the results of these investigations public. So right. Mm. Uh, so that it's it's hard to know. I appreciate the mm. fact that they're doing it, but mm. it's mm. it's hard to know uh, without Whoever's knowing what they found. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Without knowing yeah. what they found, it's it's hard to know whether or not they're, mm. they're the investigations being conducted properly and. The, and the right things are happening with the results. Yeah, so, I guess yeah. the only way you can measure it is by if there is any change afterwards. Mm. Right. I mean, do you feel that? I mean, do you feel positive about change and the way things are going? I mean, you know, is is is, is the morale up now? You know, how, how does it feel now that you've got the union and all these things are starting to move? Morale is is not is it's still not great. I think it's a lot better than it was before the union formed. I think the reason it's not great right now is that the problems still exist. Uh, We've, we've gotten, we've gotten promises that they were going to get better. We've gotten promises of action and those, those promises may yet be fulfilled, uh, but they haven't been yet. And in the meantime, uh, CS is still overworked. The, uh, the forums are overrun with trolls because, Um, we don't. There's have... no banning facility, as I understand well, it. No, well, we did. Oh. We do have a banning facility. Uh, okay. For a while, uh, yeah. there was some reluctance to use it, but uh, mm-hmm. that that's now been lifted. So now we are finally a- able to ban people, and mm-hmm. we are doing mm-hmm. so. Good. So that's an improvement, but it's it's not the solution. The solution is that uh, mm. the community is upset, and the community wants to see change as much as we do. And, mm-hmm. um, okay. so yeah, I would say morale is, 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 is currently low, but, but hopeful. I think that we are looking huh. forward to our upcoming negotiations and, uh, and okay. seeing some real potential there. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping that management will be willing to work with us, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. to, to see some of that stuff through. Yeah. Yeah. And so you say you're seeing general sort of broad support from the community outside, mm-hmm. you know, the customers, the, People on the forums, people on Twitter, for, people for the union, for mm-hmm. the union, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think at this point, I feel like 
a lot of the people who have lost faith in the company's leadership mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. now redirected that faith to the union and are hoping right. that mm-hmm. uh, that we'll be able to fix that, mm-hmm. which is, mm-hmm. you know, a little <laughs> a little bit of pressure, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, especially because I don't know I don't know how how much we can accomplish in a in a short amount of time, and we certainly mm-hmm. don't want to disappoint people who are expecting sweeping change right away. Mm-hmm. But we do take that responsibility very seriously. We want to see that change as much as they do. And Mm -hmm. we are listening to what the community wants as well as what we internally want. Most of those things are Mm -hmm. overlap anyway. Mm -hmm. But uh, but community concerns are important too. And I think Mm -hmm. that in part because there hasn't been a representation, a representative of somebody who deals directly with the community on the executive team. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure the degree to which they fully understand that, or at least the the degree to which they understood it before everything caught fire mm. a few months yeah. ago. <laughs> yeah. So, so, I mean, it really feels like a lot of these things would be in the best interests of everybody at Payzo. Oh, absolutely. If they've got a better understanding of what their customers want, because I, I'm not an expert by any means, but it does seem to me that if you do not know what the people you're trying to sell things to want – you're going to have a bad time. In general, that seems like a good rule, yes. Mm. (laughs) I think Paizo's in kind of a fairly rare position in the tabletop industry, the RPG industry, in that there aren't that many companies with enough employees that could consider unionizing. Mm. Um, I've seen seen people sort of mention on... um, on, on message boards and things like that, you know, will this spread to other companies? Will there be, you know, a lot more unionization throughout the tabletop RPG industry? Have you got any thoughts on that? I mean, uh, most of the companies tend to be like one or two people, but there are right. a couple around that. So, yeah, like, like this, this is a weird industry because mm-hmm. people have pointed out that technically Paizo is the largest tabletop role playing game company in existence, not, mm-hmm. not by market mm-hmm. share, but but in terms of the number of people who work full-time on tabletop mm. role-playing games. Mm. Yeah. It's us, it's Wizards of the Coast, and mm. then, like you said, it's like companies that are six people with other yeah. jobs. I think Modifius oh. is up there as well these days. But yeah, um, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Although but, they come from quite a dis- distribution background in many ways. But yeah, sorry. But there's not mm. many of us. Mm. And mm. and a jump from a company like Paizo to a company like Wizards is is a huge jump. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We know a lot of people at Wizards because a lot of people who a lot of our former coworkers now work at Wizards mm-hmm. uh, or used to work or at vice, Wizards or vice versa. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're, yeah. I mean, we're we're thirty minutes away from each other, so there's a lot of uh, back and forth. Yeah, but um, jumping from a company like Pazor to Wizards is a huge step. I will say though that uh, there are a lot of non-tabletop role-playing game companies in the area as well. The mm. Pacific Northwest mm. is full of video game companies, a right, number right. of which I worked mm. for, uh, before I worked at Paizo. Oh. And the video game industry is as sorely in need of unions as, as the tabletop industry, as right, basically right. every piece of news that's come out lately about yeah. <laughs> video game companies has, has demonstrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I would, Blizzard I would, especially, I think that was Blizzard's the biggest yeah. one right now. Was mm. but they've taken the heat off of Ubisoft and Riot, mm. and mm. there's, there's, yeah. there's, it's, it's endemic. Yes. So I would like to think that people see something like the successful unionization of Paizo mm. uh, at video game companies that are roughly the same size and say, "Oh, okay. well, we could do that." 
Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the Image Comics Union that came out to, that announced recently yes, that yeah, unfortunately yeah. was not voluntarily mm-hmm. recognized. Uh, we mm-hmm. are trying to do our best to support them using our platform, mm-hmm. and we will continue to do that with other companies that uh, that come out. And uh, I think that's our hope right now is that we can use we can use the platform that we've raised the awareness that we've raised to support other companies that try to do that, mm-hmm. and uh, over time push for it to be more common across the industry than it is right now. Yeah. yeah. And eventually you get to a point where it's more unlikely. It's, it's weirder for a company not to be unionized than, mm. than to be. And that's when the wizard, the uh, wizards, of the coasts and the blizzards and the Ubisofts suddenly start becoming a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. So when you were sort of set, setting this up, was was it like a, a kind of a nerve wracking thing to do? I mean, was there any fear that reprisals might come, or was there any? How, how you know what was what was the sense when you were setting setting up the union in the first place? Uh, yes, I mean the, the short <laughs> yeah. an, the short answer is yes. Right. Particularly mm-hmm. given that we were doing it in reaction to somebody being fired for no apparent reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were we were paranoid about it. Uh, mm-hmm. We we kept we kept it a secret. To an extent, we we obviously wanted mm. to as be being inclusive as possible and mm. reached out to people and but uh, it was all about carefully talking to people like to yeah. find out uh, to just to take their temperature on recent events and find mm. out whether or not they might be sympathetic and then to what degree they were going to be sympathetic. Then we you know when when we found somebody who was interested, we we brought them into the community and then mm. we were keeping everybody appraised of progress as we talked to the uh, Communication Workers of America. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and and moved forward and prepped our communications and uh, got got closer to being able to voluntarily re- uh, uh, sorry got closer to being able to announce mm. and uh, got the cards ready to sign and everything. So mm. yeah, I would it, it was it was a little bit nerve wracking for a few weeks. Oh yeah, I was just thinking. You mentioned something that very much caught my interest was like uh, you were worried about union busting firms. Yes. Um, so that is unfortunately, uh, historically a major part of, uh, of, of organized labor history mm-hmm. is that traditionally what happens in a case like this is a group of, a group of employees will announce their plans to unionize mm-hmm. and request mm-hmm. that the company voluntarily recognize them. Most mm-hmm. of the time the company does not do that. Instead, mm-hmm. the company mm-hmm. brings in lawyers to essentially mm-hmm. perform psyops operations to disrupt the union right um, mm-hmm. they can't actively come out and shoot people like they used to back during the mining strikes but they can do things right. like spread misinformation uh mm. get pe- find out there's 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 a, there's a lot of stuff that they do um mm. among yeah. like finding out what what people are getting paid trying to turn people against each other essentially trying to split up the cohesion that the union effort already right, has. Right, yeah. Yeah. Because um, yeah. I mean, certainly there's, I mean, my personal experience of talking to Americans on the internet is there seems to be a real lack of knowledge about what a union actually is and does. And I find the defense of things like at will employment, absolutely bizarre because I, I, I have at will employment everywhere I go because I can decide I'd like another job now. Yeah. I might do a, I might do a reference period. Uh, I might do a like a sort of a, a leaving period, but I don't have to, generally speaking. So I, I think that that something that's probably uh, easy to to easy not to recognize outside of the United States is the degree mm. to which 
we've been soaking in anti-union propaganda for basically mm. our entire lives mm. Mm. Uh, because obviously large corporations with the most money to spend on it are the ones who benefit the most if their employees don't mm. unionize. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of uh, playing up of the, the downsides to unions, uh, which mm. certainly don't apply to all unions at all. Things like... Mm. Uh, you know, oh, they're corrupt. Oh, they're going to force you uh, to do X, Y, Z that you don't want to do. Mm. Oh, you can't negotiate your own raises. Uh, you can't do anything without a union rep. Mm. All that type of stuff. Some of which is, mm. is rooted in a grain of truth, but every mm. union is different. And right. um, when we went out to to look for, for who to, to ally with, the Communication Workers of America, mm. we were very clear on what we wanted. And mm. uh, they have been very clear about the fact that they – essentially are not going to get in our way. We are free to continue doing everything that we've been able to do. Mm. We just mm -hmm. now have legal representation and support. Mm. Mm. And nice. I think that is true of the vast majority of unions in this country. Right. Mm -hmm. So outside of the public statements they've made, has there been any other kind of reaction from management at Kaiser? Has it been generally positive? Has it been pushback? How's it kind of felt? They, they haven't really talked to us at all. Mm. Hmm. Which, on the one hand, is, I guess, to be expected because we're going to be talking to them with when we start negotiating. In a formal manner, yeah. Right. Yeah. But they haven't reached out to us internally at all. Um, like I said before, they haven't consulted with us about any of the actions they've taken or any of the public statements they've made. Mm. Which is something I would like them to start doing. I right, think that yeah. uh, the, the goal of the, of the union is to help the executive team out. Mm. We're, we're not trying to mm. tell them what to do. We we're trying to, to help. We want to be like, I've keep saying we, we want to have a seat at the table, but part of that is that we want to shoulder some of the load. We want to, mm. we want to help them make decisions yeah. that are best for the company. Mm. Mm. And I'm hoping that at some point they will start asking us for our input. on yeah. those things. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's coming up to four o'clock. I think we do have to wind up now. But I just mm -hmm. wanted to quickly say thank you so much for coming yes. on. Um, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. I've learned a lot. I've learned an awful mm. lot. And I wish you all the best of luck in your efforts going forward. If you ever have any updates, you're more than welcome to come yeah. back and talk to us again about them. I'd love to do that. Let's know. Oh, absolutely. Let's know. But, yeah, but thank you so much. It's been real fun. And um, yeah, good luck. I really, really hope, me. I really, really, really hope it works out yeah. for everybody involved. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Well, yeah. Yeah. So far, yeah. so good. <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, yeah. It's been a pleasure. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. Mm, that's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. Sue, would you like to be Jorp or Lark? My names are getting worse. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, um, I will be Jorp first, because okay. I've done my thing where I scan down and see where the really hard to pronounce name is. And yeah, but you, you still have, have to say that. it on the second time, man. Yeah, but I, can listen, but I get to listen and laugh at you first. So All right, fair enough. Okay. 